Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I want to begin this morning by, uh, by reading. We're going to be looking this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and so I invite you to turn there. But I want to read to you um, uh, a, a, the, from the preface of a little book entitled, What is um, a Healthy Church? by, by Pastor Mark Dever, who's a pastor in, in Washington, uh, D.C. area, Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Um, and um, he wrote a, 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 in the parable, a, a preface, rather, of the, a little parable that I want to uh, share with you. In fact, I'm going to read it, but I think that uh, you can uh, uh, listen to it, and I think it'll, it'll have a meaning as we uh, look into this passage today in just a few moments. Uh, Nose in hand were sitting in the church pew talking. Uh, the morning service, led by ear and mouth, had just ended. And Hand was telling Nose that he and his family had decided to look for a different church. Really? Nose responded to Hand's news. Why? Oh, I don't know, Hand said, looking down. He was usually slower to speak than other members of the church body. I guess because the church doesn't have what Mrs. Hand and I are looking for. Well, what are you looking for in a church, Nose asked. The tone in which he spoke those words was sympathetic, but even as he was speaking them, he knew he would dismiss Hand's answer. If the Hands couldn't see that Nose and the rest of the leadership were pointing the church body in the right direction, the body could do without them. Hand had to think before answering. He and Mrs. Hand, like Pastor Mouth and his family, and Minister of Music Ear, meant well. Well, I guess we're looking for a place where people are more like us, Hand finally stammered. We tried spending time with the legs, but we didn't connect with them. Next, we joined with a small group for all the toes, but they kept talking about socks and shoes and odors, and that didn't interest us. Nose looked at him, uh, this time with genuine dismay. Aren't you glad they're concerned with odors? Sure, sure, but, but it's not for us. Then we attended the Sunday school class for all you facial features. Do you remember? We came for several Sundays a couple of months ago. It was great to have you. Thank you, but, but everyone just walk, wanted to talk and listen and smell and taste. It felt like, well, it felt like you never wanted to get to work and get your hands dirty. Anyway, Mrs. Hand and I were thinking about checking out that new church over on East Side. We hear they do a lot of clapping and hand raising, which is closer to what we need right now. Hmm, Nose replied. I see what you mean. We'd hate to see you go, but I guess you have to do what's, what's good for you. At that mo moment, Mrs. Hand had been caught up in another conversation, turned back to join her husband and Nose. Hand briefly explained what he and Nose had been talking about, after which Nose repeated his sadness at the prospect of losing the hands. But he again said that he understood since it sounded like their needs weren't being met. Mrs. Han agreed, nodded in agreement. She wanted to be polite, but the truth is 
to be, truth be told, she wasn't sad to be leaving. Her husband had made enough critical remarks about the church over the years that her heart had, become, had begun to reflect his. No, he had never burst into open tirade against the body. In fact, he usually apologized for being so negative, as he put it. But the little complaints that he let slip here and there had had an effect. In addition to all that, Mrs. Hand knew that their daughter Pinky was not comfortable with the youth group. Everyone was so different from her. She felt out of joint. Mrs. Hand then said something about how much she appreciated Nose and the leadership, but the conversation had already run on too long for Nose. Besides, her perfume made him want to sneeze. He thanked Mrs. Hand for her encouragement, repeated that he was sorry to hear of their departure, then turned and walked away. Who needed the hands? Apparently, they didn't need him. Well, that little parable is based on the passage that we're going to read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to pick up reading there with verse 12. And I want to invite you again, if you're able, please to stand with me as we read this passage. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12... And we, we won't really look at the last part, but we'll go ahead and read the, uh, the, uh, through the end of this chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not of the, uh, of the, uh, not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed they are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body and of Christ and members individually. And God appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And this morning I bring a message entitled Membership Matters because the church is the body of Christ. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had to worship. And Lord, we thank you that you are here. Your presence is among us because you're everywhere. And Lord, because again, you inhabit the praises of your people. And we pray you might continue to manifest your presence this morning. We are looking to you, Lord, today for enabling and power to proclaim your word. We're praying for special anointing and have prayed for that. We've also prayed and do pray again, Father, again, for illumination to our hearts today to receive and understand the truth for every person here today, wherever they are. And Lord, also that by your spirit, you would make application of this passage to our lives and bring conviction where it is needed. And Lord, I pray again, the result will be transformation that we might be further uh, transformed by the word and further conformed to the likeness of Christ. And God, again, that we truly would uh, allow uh, the situation here in Corinth, Lord, to, to, to come home to us here in Lucy and see where we are as a church and apply your truth to us. Lord, thank you for your love and grace that you're still at work in your body today. And we pray that you will work today in a mighty way. We love you, exalt you, and praise you. And pray again, Father, for those in our midst who don't know Christ, that even though this passage today is to your church, that that the Spirit of God will uh, cause every individual who doesn't know you to be brought to the realization of their need for you and be drawn to Christ. We love you and exalt you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Well, last Sunday we considered one of the uh, one of the metaphors, if you will, uh, one of the pictures in Scripture of the church. We considered the bride of Christ, and it's interesting that um, that you know the the Old Testament uses uh, a number of of the same metaphors to speak of Israel and their relationship Jeho- to Jehovah God. The the picture of the bride, also of the vineyard, uh, and and of the flock. However, when we look at today's uh, metaphor for the church, it's picture of the the church, the, the, the body, uh, the human body specifically here as an illustration and as a picture of the church is unique to, uh, to the church. And we don't find those in, any, in, in the Old Testament concerning Israel and God. And so this is a, is a very unique truth and a, and a beautiful picture of what the church is. And as we said last Sunday, we need all of these pictures to fully grasp and understand what the church is and understand the nature of the church. So God gives us these wonderful pictures so that we can fully grasp and understand what the church is that God has called us to be a part of. As we saw last Sunday, that the Lord Jesus loved and gave himself for. And so again, we we see in this passage several uh, times, sometimes we read a passage and we may question, well, is this referring to the universal church? Is this referring to the, the local church? And we've already said that most of the references in the New Testament are to the local church. Uh, uh, but even as we, we understand that, we see in this passage sometimes where it, it seems obviously that, that he's referring to, to the, the church as a whole as he talks about being baptized into one body. But then when we again begin to talk again about how it, we see the church operate, we see it uh, in, in the local church aspect. So, so again, that, that's the application we want to see in this passage. One uh, writer that I've made reference to, Jonathan Lehman, in his book on church membership says, 1 Corinthians 12 is a wonderful illustration of how a local church should begin to embody today what Christ in time gathering will look like when we're all together as 
the church of all ages. And so I want you to look with me at this wonderful passage on the body of Christ, uh, and I want you to consider with me four truths about the body of Christ. Uh, Beginning there in verse 12, notice, first of all, we have unity as members in the body of Christ. Hunter read that passage to you, and obviously one of the issues that the church in Corinth had was an issue of disunity. They were so badly divided and splintered. And that's not, uh, uh, that problem didn't cease with the church at Corinth. It's, it's uh, continued through the, through the ages to be a problem with, with, uh, with churches, hasn't it? And we constantly hear, even in our day, of, of churches that have division and, and are splintered and have problems. And, and we face those kinds of issues and concerns. And so, uh, so how do we have unity in the body of Christ? Well, notice, he describes that to us here in verses 12 uh, to 14. And he says that in the same way that our bodies are one with many members, so is the church. Verse 12, he says, in fact, the body is one and many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We belong to Christ. We belong to Christ because the Bible says we are bought with a price. The Lord Jesus paid for us, uh, yes, individually, but also corporately with his precious blood. We belong to him. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus is the life of every believer. The Bible says in Colossians that Christ is our life. And again, that is true of us individually, but is also true of us uh, corporately. And, and Christ is the life of his church. The church is, uh, uh, is organized. It's okay for the church to be organized. Sometimes people will say to me, well, I don't believe in the organized church. And I'll say, well, come on to our church then. You'll really like it. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, we do try to be organized. And, uh, and it's not wrong to be organized. But the church is not an organization. The body is very organized by the way. When we, uh, when we get um, uh, sick, it's because things are, are out of order, aren't they? But when we are healthy, our, our, our body is functioning in such an organized fashion, but it's still not an organization. It is an organism. And so that is true about the church. The church is a living organism, and Christ is the life of his church. And unity comes when we allow him to express his life through us. Notice that phrase there that I read to you in verse 12. He, he talking about the body, he has said, so also is Christ. Wouldn't you have expected the Holy Spirit to have used a different word there than Christ? Wouldn't you expect him to say, so also is the church? But he says, so also is Christ. What is he, what is he saying to us? He is showing us how closely connected Christ is to his church. How closely he connected to his body, by the way. And again, uh, uh, we know when Saul was persecuting the church, you remember that uh, Jesus in his glorified state appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. And you remember what he said to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? You know, Saul didn't say, wait a minute, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting that church of yours. No, he's, he understood and God made it clear to him. But, but Jesus fully identifies with his body, the church. And, and that brings unity to his church. You know, sometimes people, and I hear people say, well, you know, uh, I, I like Jesus, okay, and, and I love Jesus. I just don't care for the church. And a lot of people uh, uh, kind of make that obvious. They saturate 
the church with their absence, and they're not participating, even though they say they love Christ. Well, you know what? This, this shows us clearly, folks, that that is a contradiction. Uh, that, is, uh, that is not true, because again, when you love Christ, you will love what he loves. And he loved the church and gave himself for her. And, uh, and again, the Bible says here in verse 13, he says, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. That word were is very key. Uh, what does he mean we were baptized? He's not talking here, by the way, about water baptism. Uh, and uh, he does, of course, clearly teach that in Scripture. But the baptism here he's describing is the baptism, that the fact that the Holy Spirit has baptized us or immersed us into Christ. And again, ultimately, he's baptized and immersed us into his body. Uh, and, uh, and the word all here uh, means all. That means that, uh, again, that this, this has happened to every believer when we come to Christ. And again, that's why, again, uh, the church uh, and the believer are inseparable and why membership within the, the body of Christ and even in the local body is so very biblical and so very important. And again, it's based on the work of the Spirit. It's a supernatural transaction that takes place. Romans 12, uh, another passage that speaks about the, the body, he says there, for as in one body, this is ver verses four and five in Romans 12, as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So again, we are members, we are fully connected with one another uh, as believers in Christ. That means that, that uh, I belong to you and you belong to me. Uh, as believers, we are connected. Uh, and, and then he goes on in, in, in the next part of this phrase in, in verse 13 to say that whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, We've all been made to drink into one spirit. Again, regardless of rank or race, we're baptized in, by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And, and, and God wants every local church to be a picture of that. He wants us as a, as a local church to be a picture to the world of the unity we have in Christ. And that's why when we fail to be that, we, we mess up that beautiful picture that God wants to present to the world, uh, through, even with that, whether it's within our unity or as we heard in the parable and we're going to see in this passage, our differences. You know, uh, God wants us to, uh, to not to allow differences to hinder us in, in the body of Christ. Uh, you know, the body, again, uh, illustrates, again, the essential of unity in the local church. You know, you, uh, you don't take the members of your physical body and, and have an arm over here or a, uh, a leg over here or heart over here and feet over there and then say, now, body, go do something. Uh, you know, pull together and accomplish something. Uh, no, it's not going to function that way. A body is, is a unit, and, and uh, without that, it does not exist. It is not a body. But God puts these members in the body, and that's true with, of the church as well. He puts us together uh, in, in the body so that we can function as a body. You know, and that's something that is kind of hard in, in our mindset, particularly in, in America. We tend to be so individual, individualistic. We tend to be fiercely that way. And, and that's contrary to what we're to be 
within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine, uh, again, uh, someone saying, you know, or, uh, again, we're using these uh, imaginary illustrations here, this metaphor, but imagine saying, man, you know, my hand is so talented. In fact, I'll just let you borrow it, you know, and you'll be, you know, well, that wouldn't work. If I had to remove my hand uh, for you to borrow or to you to use it, it's not going to happen, is it? Because, again, disconnected, uh, our members are dead, and, and that's a, also a picture of the way it is within the body of Christ. We're to, we function as a body. We don't function as individuals or as lone rangers. We function together in the body of Christ. And that's how God is glorified and honored. And, and, and that's what God intended for us. And so that's why uh, those who are not connected to the body are, are being contrary to what God intended for us to be as believers. So again, we have, we have unity as members of the body body of Christ. Our, again, I've, I've shared with you and continue to challenge you. This book, that was one of the problems that the church at Corinth had was disunity. And again, uh, unity is a choice. Uh, and, and unity is something Ephesians says we are to endeavor. We are to eagerly endeavor and, and work hard at uh, seeking to be unified. What are you doing? Are you seeking to be obedient to this and to, through the person and power of the Holy Spirit to seek uh, to, for, to glorify Christ by being unified uh, through Christ and by the power of His Spirit. We have unity as members of the body of Christ. Secondly, we have identity as members of the body of Christ. Verses 14, he begins to continue this, uh, this analogy here of the members. Some of the members at Corinth were feeling rather disconnected. They were feeling excluded and insignificant. You'll remember that a few weeks ago we preached a message from 1 Corinthians 11 on the, uh, the, the Lord's Supper. You remember what we said there from that passage? There were people in the church at Corinth who were, uh, who were being left out. They were, uh, they were, when it came time for the Lord's Supper, the, the wealthier members were bringing their food and, uh, and eating it for themselves and leaving, and, and those who didn't have any food were being left out. So you can imagine, uh, this is kind of reminds you of what the setting was like and how divisive things were there at the church at Corinth. So no doubt, don't doubt it was probably some of those members who were feeling rather excluded and rather uh, insignificant significant. Verse 15, he says, if the foot should say, because I'm not um, um, a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course, the answer is no. Imagine an offended foot, you know, uh, saying, you know, uh, the hand gets to wave, the hand gets to feed the mouth, the hand gets to shake other hands, to write, to open things. What do I get to do? You stick me off in a shoe, and when I do come out, you, you accuse me of stinking, and, uh, and so since I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Well, you, how ridiculous is that? But there obviously were people in, the, in that local church at Corinth that were feeling that way. Do people feel that way sometimes now? Yeah, there are people who feel excluded. And then there is the exasperated ear, you know, verse 16. Again, he says, uh, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And of course, uh, people, uh, you, you imagine uh, this, uh, this eye speaking up, or this ear rather, this exasperated ear saying, people say, what beautiful eyes you have. 
And they say things like, look into my eyes. Have you ever heard anybody say what beautiful ears you have? Probably not. Uh, or, or no one says look into my ears. It's just the doctor that looks in there, you know? And, uh, and, and, and then they poke, they, they cover me or they poke holes in me. They make fun of me. You know, they say things like, he looks like a, a, a Mack truck with both doors open. You ever heard anybody, you know, say those kind of things? Well, so you get the idea. That's the kind of humorous thing that Paul is using to describe some of the members of the church at Corinth who were feeling left out, who were feeling like they were insignificant, unimportant, because they were not someone else. They didn't have. And of course, we know the, the, what is tying in here is because of these spiritual gifts, because Paul is dealing with here in chapter 12, the issue of spiritual gifts. And he, gives, he num, named, names a number of them. We saw those at the conclusion of this chapter, but earlier on, he describes them. And by the way, Romans 12 uh, is another passage, First Peter, I believe it's four. Uh, and other passages give to us some of the the, the spiritual gifts that God has given to uh, believers for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. But these people were feeling like because they didn't have these certain spiritual gifts that some people had, they were insignificant. And I hear Christians sometimes say things like, well, I probably don't even have a spiritual gift. Or even other things like, well, you know, I used to serve, but now I'm getting older and there's really nothing else I can do. And you know what? Both of those are wrong. If a person is truly a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our ministry may change. Our ministry may not be out in the open. It may not be uh, prominent. But as someone said, you don't have to be prominent to be significant and to be used of God. Uh, you know, pastors, pastors are most often probably the, the person that, that uh, is the most visible in a church. And uh, when, when things uh, go well in a church, uh, pastors are often given encouragement and often, uh, are often uh, spoken well of and sometimes get the credit for things going well. On the other hand, when, uh, when they don't go well, they also get the blame. I had a little fella, an interesting thing at VBS this week. I had a little fella, one of the little boys, he's probably about seven or eight years old. And this little boy asked me, is it hard being a pastor? And I thought, well, what made you even think of that question? And, uh, and I said, well, sometimes it is, but it's wonderful. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Uh, and I'm grateful that God, you know, has called me. Uh, but just, just remember, for every pastor who serves well, there were dozens of people, no doubt, who were praying, who were serving faithfully, and, and uh, who were just as vital, if not more so, than, than that pastor or that leader. And that's true, whether it's your Sunday school class or your student, youth pastor or any other uh, mu worship music ministry, wherever it may be, that there's people that it takes us all coming together and utilizing the gifts that, that we have been given. And again, when we stand before Christ one day, and we will, by the way, when we stand before Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 3, and we give an account for what we've done with the gifts that God has given to us, with the opportunities that God has given to us, and we give an account for those things and we're rewarded. I believe, I, I know for certain that there'll be a lot of people there that probably a lot that folks didn't even know about. I mean, they, they may have been, again, the, 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 the knees and the ears and the feet uh, uh, in the body of Christ, but they will be just as clearly rewarded as the eyes and the hands and the other prominent parts, if you will, of the body, uh, so to speak, the body of Christ. And so again, 
we have identity. So I want to say to you this morning, you have an important role to play in the body of Christ. God has gifted you. And even if you can't do what you once did, just make yourself available. Say, here am I, send me. Lord, use me in whatever way you desire for your honor and for your glory. And God will answer that prayer as you make yourself available and, and, and are a clean vessel uh, before him. We have identity as members in the body of Christ. Thirdly, we have diversity as members of the body of Christ. We have diversity. And uh, we've already seen that in one sense of the word because that's what he's describing here, that we're not all the same. But again, we, we, uh, he changes the, uh, the picture a little bit, the analogy. He, um, he says there in verse 17, 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Can you imagine if we were just one big eyeball or, or again, if we, were, uh, if we were just one big ear, as we sort of have described these, uh, these members uh, there in the church? He said, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. So again, he's giving this, uh, this analogy here uh, uh, of, the, of the body to show that, that God hasn't made us just one individual member. He's made us all different. And he's given us spiritual gifts to, to utilize in the body of Christ. And so again, your, your spiritual gift, and every one of you have one, one or more, uh, your talents that you have that were, uh, both of those, by the way, are given by God. Your gifts are given to you when you're born again. Your talents are given to you when you're born, and maybe some a little later in discovering them, but you have them nonetheless. But also your, your personality, your, your background, your experiences, all those things come together to make you who you are as a servant of Christ. And so even if we happen to have the same spiritual gift, we're still going to be different because, uh, because, again, God puts all those other things into the mix in using us where we are and, and, and how we are. And so that's why it's so important that we respond to that and not expect, like this couple that we described there wanted to go to, a, to a, a, another church where everybody was like them. Well, no, that's not, that's not a true picture of what the church is. God intends us to be different. And that's why we celebrate our diversity, even at Lucy Baptist Church, that we have older members, that we have younger members, and uh, that we have people from different races. That's what heaven's going to be like. And God loves diversity. He wants us to, to be diverse and to use us. That's why, I'll be honest with you, my, my background in, uh, in, in educational ministry, that's what my first ministry right out of seminary did educational ministry. And you know, we, the first job I had to do when I got there was was age grade the Sunday school. Wasn't that a nice thing to do to the new seminary graduate? You know, they bring me on board and they say, okay, now you got to put all these people in the right class. And I think some of those folks never did forgive me, you know. And, uh, but anyway, we did. We forced them in there, you know. And, and I know, we, what do we tend to do? We tend to like to be people that are with people who are our ages, right? We have more in common. We tend to like to be people who have the same interests. We have more in common. But is that really what God intends? Is that really what God, does he not, isn't he glorified when we, when we come together with our different differences and our different backgrounds and even our different ages and we fellowship together and we learn from one another and we build up one another. Isn't that, doesn't that glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? And so again, uh, God supplies different gifts to every person in the local church so that we can function properly in its ministry to one another and to the world. And notice where we get those spiritual gifts. Verse 18 makes it very clear. He says, God set the members, each one, 
And back up in, in chapter 12, verse four, he says there's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. He brings us together with different uh, gifts and different ministries, but he puts us together so that we can minister to the whole body. That brings glory to him. And so he sovereignly, it's his choice. We don't choose what our gifts are. God chooses those gifts. And to try to want certain uh, gifts or certain roles and to do something God hadn't called us to do is, is not what God intends. Uh, and so the Bible says here that, that we have these gifts that are, that are given to us and we are to use these gifts. And, uh, we, and when we don't, then what are we doing? We are disobeying. So if, you, God, if you're a child of God, and uh, you are connected with a local body. And, and again, that's why you need to be connected to the local, local body. That's why, we, why membership is important, so that you can utilize those spiritual gifts in that local body of believers. And friend, listen, if, you aren't being, if you're not involved and connected in serving, then you're being disobedient. You're not using the gift that God has given to you to build up the body of Christ. You're being selfish. And, and you're, just, uh, you're just being a shopper, a consumer, instead of a participant in doing what God intends. And again, you're missing out on the blessing because you will have the joy of seeing God use you. So you say, well, pastor, I don't know my spiritual gift. Well, seek God, ask the Lord. There are some wonderful tools, some surveys that help you. I wouldn't, wouldn't solely rely on those, but there's some good things to help you in discovering your gifts. And then ask others uh, to help you in confirming that because as you serve, you'll begin to see that and then just make yourself available. Uh, and I believe most often what you have a desire to do is very likely what God has put in you in serving in your spiritual gift. So ask the Lord and make yourself available. Uh, and again, uh, Mark Dever said in his book called The Compelling Community, he said, we need people who are different from us to keep us faithful to the gospel. So the, the diversity of the body of Christ within members of the body is so very important. You know, yesterday, and if you're reading the Bible through in two, you, you read this yesterday as well in Luke chapter six, the, uh, the, 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 the list of the disciples uh, and when Jesus chose those disciples. And sometimes, you know, you, you can say, well, I've read that. I've read that over many times. But, but I would just, this is just a side note. Uh, let God speak to you fresh because uh, yesterday as I read that passage, I looked at it again and, and, I, and I noticed there in that list of disciples, I was reminded that Jesus chose, he chose Simon the Zealot. Now, what was, who was Simon the Zealot? Well, he was, a, he was Jewish and, and he was a zealot, which means he was a part of a, a, a political active group of men and people probably mostly men, who hated the Roman government. They were under the Roman government uh, rule, and boy, they wanted to throw off that Roman government. Man, these guys were ready to fight. And uh, so you had, you had Simon the Zealot now that Jesus intentionally chose to be a disciple, but in the same group, he had Matthew, or we also know him as Levi, what was his job? He got him at the seat of custom. He was a tax collector. So in other words, he was working for the Roman government. And so God put Jesus, I only had 12 men, but he chose these two guys, one of them who was working for the Roman government, collecting taxes, and they hated that. And then he had another guy who was, one, who was an activist against them. And Jesus chose him, put him in a group of 12. 
Yeah, Jesus did that intentionally. But you know what Jesus did? He changed their hearts. I just have a feeling, though, even after Jesus had saved them and changed their hearts, can you imagine what it was like for those two guys together? I mean, they were like sandpaper against each other, okay? I mean, they were like a radical Democrat and a radical Republican getting together. And, and, uh, and so, uh, but Jesus did that intentionally. He did that to demonstrate the difference and how Jesus could change us and how he could have diversity in the body of Christ. So again, we don't need to be like Mr. Uh, and, and Mrs. Uh, ear, wasn't it? You know, always, no, hand. It was Mr. Miss Hand. We don't always need to be like them thinking we just got to be with, with people that we're like. And because God is glorified by diversity. But number four, and finally, but a little longer point, we have responsibility as members of the body of Christ. We have responsibility. And uh, beginning there in, in verse uh, 21, he again kind of has a, a little bit different picture. In verse 21, he says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need but God composed the body, having given greater honor to, to that part which lacks it. So imagine the eye saying to the hand, I don't need you. Or imagine the head saying to the feet, I don't need you. And if that were possible, and it probably does happen, it's simply not true. Uh, and again, he says here in verse 22, God made every part of our body for a purpose. And, uh, and again, there were, there were obviously members of the church at Corinth who were seeking the showy gifts and particularly the gift of tongues. And again, there's still people that do that today that think everybody should have the gift of tongues uh, or, or healings or miracles. And again, that's just contrary to what this passage of Scripture is teaching. Uh, while those other gifts like the gift of mercy or the gift of helps, the gift of service, while that's not prominent, uh, those gifts were, were, uh, were considered and maybe the gift of giving. I wonder how many people clamor after the gift of giving. But, uh, but no, he, he basically, they're, those, they're, they were treating those things and those people who had those gifts as insignificant. So, um, so again, how do we apply this to our church today? Well, you know, members... Uh, in our church, when we think about differences, we talked a little bit about some of the age differences, but, but people in our church could be guilty of honoring gifts with teaching or administration or exhortation and treating other gifts as, other, as unimportant. And again, in our church, uh, older members could say uh, to younger members, because you, you like to sing new songs in worship with guitars and drums, I don't need you. In fact, some could say, I, I, in fact, I won't worship because you sing those songs and because you maybe won't sing the songs that I like. On the other hand, younger members could say, because you uh, don't sing as many of the old hymns that I like or, 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 because, you, uh, or uh, because you like to sing the old hymns and don't want to learn new songs, um, we don't need you. Well, guess what? Both would be wrong. Amen? We need each other. 
We need each other in the body of Christ. And there has to be some giving and taking, and, and that's loving. That's considering the other more important than ourselves and esteeming other better than ourselves. And notice verse 23, he says here, we bestow honor on our unpresentable parts. He's talking about the body here by covering them up. And by the way, on a side note, when God created Adam and Eve, uh, he set a standard of modesty. And, uh, and so that's just, a, again, a side note, but a very important one in our day. Um, but again, what he's describing here, the, the body, and again, we have some very important internal organs that nobody ever sees, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but, but I guarantee you, David Flowers knows like nobody else how important the heart is, right? I mean, we may not see it, but it's very important. And, and that's true of us in the body of Christ. There may be a lot of people that, that are doing things behind the scene, but they're very significant, and we should not treat them as unimportant. Um, and again, we also have members in our, in our family who might be considered weak or, or unnecessary as far as their ability to serve the church are concerned. Got a, got a few pictures of some people I want to see if you can recognize. Can you pull those up, Micah? All right, do you know these ladies, some of our ladies in our church family, Miss Hall and Miss Brown? Let's continue to look at a few, a few others. Miss Sanford, who's uh, Margaret Sanford, who's now at Elmcroft, and then uh, have some others that are homebound. Can you bring those up, Micah? These are some of our homebound members. Do you know these people? Do, do you recognize those, those names? Some of those uh, you may get to see a little more often than others, but these are people who've served the Lord, but they aren't able to attend anymore. They can't teach a class. They can't participate in worship, many of them. But you know what? They're still a part of our body. And, 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 and we don't need to treat them as insignificant or unimportant. You say, well, what can they do for us? Well, for one thing, they can provide us with an opportunity to serve. They can give us an opportunity to, to minister and to be a blessing because we're able to serve and to give. I mean, you think about what a blessing it would be to your family just to stop by a few minutes. Most of these people, uh, probably, many of these people live on your way, coming or going. And, and, and uh, just to go to their home and to, uh, to visit with them, to pray with them a few minutes, to take them a meal, uh, to send them a card on a special day, uh, means so much to them. These days are long and they're lonely. And, and what, if, uh, what if our classes, what if our Sunday school classes, what if our community groups just were to adopt uh, one or two or three of these folks and just begin to minister to them faithfully? What a blessing it would be. They are part of our body and we don't need to treat them as, as unimportant. In fact, using this analogy, we need to bestow more honor on them. What a blessing that would be to them and to you as members of our body. Okay, we can move now. But thank you. I want you to think about that and to pray about that. And the Bible says here in verse 25 that as a result of that, that there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Again, we, we relate to one another by ministering to those who have need. And by the way, not only those, those families like these, our special needs families, those who are sick, uh, but also, a part of this membership matters. We have members who are weak. We have members who are struggling with sin. And yes, some of them ultimately may not be believers. But we need to do our part and be biblical in regard to our responsibility 
to reach out to them and to minister to them. That there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. We're to care for one another in the church the same way that members do in our body. This word for same care is the word uh, that, that means to care for, to look out for someone, to seek to promote the interest of another, to provide for someone. And again, it ties in with what we said last Sunday about the body, how the, uh, the, we uh, uh, nourish and cherish uh, the members of our body, and, and the, the, the husband is to nourish and cherish his wife as Christ does the church. Uh, you know, you think about this, about, about the members of our body. If I, what happens if you hit your, your thumb with a hammer? Uh, what do you do? Well, typically, if you do that, or even if you close your finger in the door, what do you do? First thing you do is probably this, right? You put it to your mouth, right? But you try, you try to give it some comfort right? And so, uh, so your mouth gets involved, right? And then you pull it out and you look at it. Your eyes get involved, you know, or maybe you hold on to it like this. Then you, you know, you, you, your whole body gets involved. You, you don't just say, oh, well, that's my thumb. I don't care about the thumb. No, you don't do that. You feel the pain. And that's exactly what the Bible says we're to do for one another. And again, what a beautiful picture of what, what God intends for us to be in the body. And that's why he says in verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, if you get, if you get, uh, uh, if a king gets a crown or, or, uh, or a lady gets a new hat or whatever, you know, uh, that part of the whole body gets to get in on the act. And, and if you get uh, a medal on your chest, the whole, the whole body gets to, to be a part of that. And so it is in the body of Christ, we, we celebrate together. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Sometimes it's easier to to, uh, to weep with someone who weeps than it is to rejoice. Can you rejoice with someone who is blessed in a way maybe that you're not? That's what we're to do for one another. And Ephesians 4, 16 says, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, that's why in this emphasis of membership matters, we're emphasizing and praying for church health. We're praying to be a healthy church because when we are a biblically healthy church, then the result is fruit. The result is growth. The, rejoice, the result is God being glorified. The result is fulfilling the Great Commission and seeing people saved. So we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a unified church. What are you doing about it? Are you doing your part as we see here in Ephesians 4? And are you praying for that? Uh, or, or, or are you being a tool to divide? The Bible says God hates a, 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 a spirit of divisiveness, and, and, uh, and he's dishonored by that. When we sow seeds of discord, Proverbs says God hates that. So we need to be sure that we're not a tool of the enemy in being divisive, but in fact we're a tool of God in being uniting. So I want to challenge you to think about some things as we prepare to close today. Again, do you see and sense how the Holy Spirit has made us one in Christ's body in spite of our differences? And are you doing everything you can to maintain this unity? Do you realize your identity in Christ's body? And do you see yourself as a part of the body of Christ and that you have a role to play and a, a, a job to do, so to speak, a ministry to carry out in this body? Again, are you aware of your spiritual gift and are you using it to build up Christ's body? Do you celebrate the diversity uh, in the body of Christ rather than complain about it? And then number six, do you draw circles to keep 
others out or do you draw circles to include people in? I hope you're drawing circles to include people in. Look for ways that you can fellowship. Look for ways that you can, you can get to know somebody who's different from you. Having them over your home for a meal or taking them out or spending some time with them. Get to know people. And, and, and don't just say, I think you want to be with people that are like you, but celebrate diversity and, and then build unity by building relationships. And then again, are you fulfilling your responsibility in the body of Christ? Well, in order to, for that to be true, you need to be in the body of Christ. You need a relationship with Christ. You need to realize that Jesus loves you and he died for you. He rose again. And through repentance and faith in Christ and Christ alone, you can be saved. And then if you are a child of God, you need to connect with the local body. If you're here today and, and your membership is somewhere else or you're not a member of a church, but yet you've professed faith in Christ, you need to get connected in the local body of believers so you can use the gifts that God has given to you to build up the body and to serve the Lord. When I was in high school, um, I worked at a grocery store, and we had a um, a couple, young couple that um, that were faithful. They came every week, I believe, every Saturday, and bought groceries. And there was some things about them that were significant to me. One of the things was they they drove a '57 Chevy, so that was kind of neat in and of itself. Now, for some of you, that sounds really old, but remember, I was born in '58. Okay, uh, but it was still neat. And uh, but but the, you know another thing about them that this young couple always came together. Um, but and, and when they got in the car, when we loaded up their car with groceries, and that was when we took the groceries to the car, um, they always sat close together. We had bench seats in those days for you younger people. Y'all don't even know what that is. But we but they sat real close together. But you know what? It wasn't just so they could be romantic. Not just for that. You know why? Because this husband only had one arm, and uh, he had a three-speed in the column. And so the wife sat close, and the husband drove, steered the car, and the, and, and the husband put in the clutch, and the wife shifted the gears. You see, I thought, what a beautiful picture of what we're to be in the body of Christ. Uh, we all have our imperfections. We all have our shortcomings. We all can't do everything God didn't intend us to. God meant us to come together and to complement one another in the body of Christ, and to, to minister to one another, and, and to serve one another, and to glorify Christ, and together be His body and glorify Him. So I challenge you today, and as we think about this upcoming year, and, and we ask people to pray about where the Lord would have them to serve, I want to challenge you. Uh, don't think about uh, what you can't do, but think about what you can do and ask God to show you where he wants you to serve. We may not have even thought about where it is yet. God may be putting on your heart a ministry to utilize the spiritual gift that you have. And so we want to, we want to be an accommodating body to support you in the gifts that God's given to you so that you can build up the body of Christ and reach others through the gifts and talents and abilities and experiences and background that God has given to you. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used His Word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross, and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website, at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 
872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.